0: Good morning everybody, how many happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning, can you say amen? Amen! Next Sunday we start this series, Unstuck, and this workbook is going out to everyone who has registered their community group. Uh, This is going to be an amazing time, and this book right here, along with the series, there's a weekly video teaching that goes along with it, and the Sunday sermons, it's going to get you unstuck. And today's sermon is going to kind of give you a taste of, of what we're reaching for, so very, very excited about it. If you haven't done so already, register your community group today. If you don't have one, start one, register it, get it ready. Friday night is going to be lit up in this piece. And so, uh, yeah, I'm so excited. All right. Thank you, Elvis. Such a blessing to have you brother. God bless you. Amen. Galatians two 20 in the new international version very very well known and familiar passage of scripture the apostle Paul writing to the Galatian church says I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I now live in the body I live by the faith Of the Son of God, it literally says. Faith in the Son of God or the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I do live in the body is animated by faith in the Son of God. What gives strength to my bodily life is faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In this one verse of Scripture, Paul describes not only his Christian life, but his life. He describes not just his spiritual life, but his life. He's not just talking about his church life as opposed to his everyday life. He's talking about his life. And in this verse of scripture, he's not just describing his life, but he is describing for us what the life of a believer is supposed to entail. Now, when we hear these words, they sound like theological spiritual, religious, mumbo-jumbo in a sense that it's not easy to hear these words and know how to apply them in your life. Mm -hmm. How do you know if you've been crucified with Christ or not? How do you know if Christ lives in you or if you're still living? How do you know if the life that you're living in the body is being lived by the faith of the Son of God or not? Now, to explain the scripture today, I am going to use the life of a man named Roland Hayes because the life of this gentleman by the name of Roland Hayes perfectly exemplifies in so many ways what Paul was expressing to us in this passage of Scripture. Roland Hayes was born in the year 1887 in a small town in Georgia during the Reconstruction era. His mother was born a slave. They lived nearby the plantation where his mother was born. Roland Hayes was the oldest of seven children. His father died when he was very young. Four of his siblings died in succession very quickly. We don't even know why or how, just that they became ill. And so Roland, now the oldest of three siblings is now the breadwinner for the family as a young teenager. First thing that we understand about Roland Hayes is that there were three revelations that he received, that he experienced, that characterized his life. And to understand his life, you must understand these three revelations. The first revelation happened when he was a young teenager. We don't know exactly what year it was, or how old he was. But he heard a sound coming from his neighbor's house. The first revelation was a sound. He heard the sound of singing, but it was not a person present singing. And he didn't understand what he was hearing. It was a kind of singing that he had never heard before, and the voice sounded like it came from another world. And so he wandered over to his neighbor's house and knocked on the door, and the neighbor invited him in, and he says, what is this that I'm hearing? This was in the early 1900s, maybe 1903, 1904, and his neighbor had an old, old record player. And he was playing a recording of opera singer Enrique Caruso. Now, for a young African-American man who grew up the son of a former slave in a small town in Georgia, there was no access. He had never heard opera before. This sounded to him like a voice from another world. And he said when he heard the voice of Enrique Caruso singing, the heavens opened up over him. It was as if the sound of a possibility of a life from another world opened up to him. What that, the sound of that voice did to him was it convinced him that there was more to his life than he knew, yeah. that there was a whole world out there that was beyond his current experience, that there was more for him, yeah. Yeah. and the sound of this voice oriented his life from that day forward. He heard that voice, and he said, that's going to be me. That's me right there. One day, you're going to hear me sing on a recording like that. One day, I'm going to sing that kind of song, that kind of music. I'm not going to be in the saloon singing jazz and, 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 and the blues. No, 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 no. I'm going to be on a stage in a, a concert hall, and I'm going to be singing opera like Enrique Caruso. And everybody said, Negro, you better shut your mouth. You ain't going to be doing none of that. Ain't, ain't there's no way a black man is ever going to be allowed to stand on a stage and sing like Enrique Caruso. He awakened to a possibility that was real only to himself. Even his own mother told him to kill that dream. There's no way it's going to happen. Number one, white folks don't want to hear their songs coming out of a black face. And number two, black folks don't want to hear white songs coming out of a black face. That's not for you. You better go to the saloon and sing you some blues. You better get you a guitar. And so Roland, guided by the sound of this voice that he heard, left home. Left Georgia. He had one thing in mind: I got to make it to the north because in the north, this is the only place where it's even possible for my dream to become a reality. He wanted to go to Boston, Massachusetts. He made it as far as uh, he made it as far as Fisk University in. Um, Tennessee, Nashville, Nashville. Fisk University was founded in 1866 for all of the emancipated black men in Nashville, Tennessee. Fisk was where W.E.B. Du Bois studied. And so he goes to Fisk University, and Fisk was so underfunded that they had an acapella group that traveled across the country doing concerts, raising money so that Fisk University could stay in business. So they heard this young man sing. He didn't have a high school diploma, but he had a voice, so they let him in the school. The Bible says your gifts will make room for you. There was a teacher there at Fisk University who took him in like a son. She was the vocal instructor. She heard the potential in him. She didn't believe in his dream, but she heard the potential in him, and she nurtured that potential. He studied night and day, and she trained him, and he sang in the a cappella group. She paid his way through school. But he didn't have any money for food, so he went outside of the school and got a job singing in different places to try to make some money to support himself. When she found out she was offended, withdrew the funds for his tuition, kicked him out of the school, and said, you've got to go. Didn't matter to him. Nobody needs to see my dream but me. Nobody heard the voice that I heard but me. Just like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Nobody heard the voice but me. Nobody had the experience but me. When you've heard a voice from another world, it doesn't matter if nobody else has heard that voice. I heard the voice. I know what I heard. And so he continues his journey from Nashville, and he makes his way to Boston. When he gets to Boston, he looks for a vocal instructor. He's still young. And so he auditions for five different vocal instructors, all of them white, because he needs to learn classical music. Three of the five say, you've got a beautiful voice, but there's no way a black man will ever be able to become a concert singer. It'll never happen. One of the five accepted him as a student, but said, you can't come to my studio because all of my white students will leave made him come to his house for voice lessons, and made him come in the back door. So he began to study with this man. And he began to to learn. And as he was studying and learning, he was telling the man about his dream. I'm going to be a a concert singer like Enrique Caruso. I'm going to be a concert singer like Enrique Caruso. I skipped an important part. I'm going to go back. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) First he heard the sound. Then, as a young teenager in Georgia, he got a job working at a metal foundry where he was working with hot metals and they were making actually uh, paperweights. And so he had to work next to this machine. Now they had to wear these big uh, Brogain shoes, but you had to wear them with the, the laces loose because if hot metal fell on them, you had to jump out of them real quick before the hot metal melted through the shoes and then melted through your feet. So his clothes were loose too, and he was working on a conveyor belt in which the metal was going through this conveyor belt into this machine and being heated up and melted and and crushed, and his clothes got caught on the conveyor belt. And it drug him through the machine, and then around and through the machine again, and around and through the machine a third time. And finally they pulled him off the conveyor belt and it seemed that his whole body was burned and every bone in his body was broken. But there was not a hospital that would treat a black man. So they simply wrapped him up in a body cast and carried him to his house and dropped him off with his mother. His mother ran out of the house screaming because she thought she had lost another child. And even Roland himself laying in that body cast, thought that he would never recover. But guess what happened? He made a miraculous and full recovery from all of his injuries. The first revelation was the sound, but the second revelation was the suffering. You've got to be able to interpret your suffering correctly. Because this is what suffering means. It means you survived. If you can look back on your suffering, that means you survived. If you look at someone who suffered, you're looking at a survivor. When he survived, he saw it as a sign. Now I know God's going to fulfill my dream. I shouldn't have survived, but I survived. That's a sign that God's got great things ahead of me. You see, many of us, most of us, we misinterpret both the sign and the suffering. The sound and the suffering. He heard the sound, and instead of comparing himself to the sound and saying, I could never be like that. See, a lot of people, when you see somebody else do something great, you compare yourself and put yourself down. You hear a sound, you see a sight, and you, you just belittle yourself inside. I'll never be anything like that. Yeah. He heard it and said, hey, that sound means I'm going to be somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and then we misinterpret our suffering. Yeah. You get drugged through a machine in life, and then you come out of it going, this must mean God doesn't love me. Maybe God doesn't care about. Maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe God's punishing me for my sins. Maybe God's abandoned me. Maybe God cursed me. Maybe because yeah. this is what I said to my mama when I was eight years old. Maybe, and we interpret our suffering to mean something wow. bad. Wow. Wow. But wow. he interpreted his suffering to mean this is a sign that my dream is real. Yeah. Yeah. My suffering is a sign. So good. Wow. Good. Amen. So he hears the sound. He goes through the suffering. He goes to Fisk University. He gets kicked out of Fisk University. He makes his way to Boston. He finds a teacher and he starts sharing his dream. I'm going to be a concert singer. I'm going to be an operatic concert singer. And everybody said, no, you're not. It's impossible. You can't do it. He went to all the record companies and said, you should record me and he auditioned for them and they said you got a beautiful voice but there's no way we're recording a black man singing and they all sent him away so this is what he did he got a job while he was singing he got a job working for an insurance company he would he would start singing for the people at his job anybody who would listen he'd sing he sang for his co-workers he sang for his boss he sang for the president of the company he sang for everybody and everybody loved him wow you got a beautiful voice too bad a black man will never become a concert singer here's what he did He set a date and said, I'm going to do a concert in the biggest auditorium in Boston on this date. Now all I got to do is raise the money to rent the auditorium and to hire the orchestra. So he started going to rich people and and trying to share his vision with them and getting them to to venture capitalists, you know. And they all turned him down. So you know what he did? He saved every penny. He started doing odd jobs on the weekend. He saved all of his salary, odd jobs on the weekend. He raised enough money, gathered enough money until in 1917, he went and rented that hall and then went and hired the orchestra and then went to work and said, my concert's on this day. I need all of y'all to buy tickets and everybody, including the president of his company, bought tickets and then he said, I need y'all to go sell these tickets to your friends. And then he went and got himself a phone book for the city of Boston. And there was about five weeks before the concert, every day for multiple hours a day, he sat with that phone book calling every single number of every single resident in the city of Boston going, there is this great new singer in town. By the name of Roland Hayes, his concerts on this day, you got to come hear him. And people bought tickets. And on the day of his concert, the concert hall was full wow. Wow. with more than 1,000 people. Wow. And he brought down the house All right. All right. to great acclaim. Yeah. Wow. He thought, now I've done it. Now the record companies will record me, right? Wrong. He goes to the record companies. And they said, that was a nice concert you put on. There were some great reviews in the newspapers. But we still ain't going to record you. So what did he do? He went to Europe. He went to Europe. He had a friend in England. And his friend said, if you come to England, to London... I'll have you sing a, a solo during the offering at my church. They're not going to know what hit them. Now, these were very proper British folk. Very proper. No emotion. Very, they sat through the entire service. But when Roland Hayes got up to sing... There wasn't a dry eye in the house. He's saying, you know what he's saying? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And the place erupted in applause. It shocked the community. He got a call the next day that he was invited to sing for the king and queen of England wow. and when he heard the news he fainted he just <laughs> fell out he got slain in the spirit he went in and sang for the king and queen of England and blew the place away and now his fame spread through all Europe And he was invited to concert hall after concert hall after concert hall after concert hall. He put on huge concerts all across Europe. The first black man to ever stand in a concert hall and sing. And he made his way through Europe, through France and through England and through Czechoslovakia and all these different nations. And then he came to Berlin, Germany. And his reception was not the same. He was booked to sing at the Beethoven Music Hall wow. in Berlin. The largest auditorium in Berlin. And the articles started coming out. This is a sacrilege. Wow. The best we could hope to hear from a black man is the blues or the cotton songs of Georgia. This is a sacrilege. And there were all kinds of articles with all kinds of nasty depictions of him as a monkey. And all kinds of nasty things being written about him. And when he arrived in Berlin, he could feel the tension in the air. And he started to pray and asked the Lord, what do I do? And the Lord told him exactly what to do. This is the third revelation. The first was the sound that he heard. The second was the suffering that he endured. But the third was the song that he sang in Berlin. Now normally, the lights would be on like this. The singer would take the platform, the crowd would cheer, and then it would be quiet, and then he would sing. Roland knew that wasn't going to happen for him. So you know what he did? He had them turn down all the lights in the auditorium, and it just went completely dark in there. And then he had them turn on one spotlight in the center of the stage. And in complete silence, he stepped into the spotlight. Almost as if he was a target. He stood with eyes closed, with one hand on his heart, in complete silence. But the moment he stepped into that light, the crowd began to jeer. The crowd began to hiss. The crowd began to throw insults at him and even throw physical objects at him on the platform. They screamed and called him every name in the book. They told him to go back to Africa. They used every N-word and every word, every insult that you could possibly imagine. But Roland stood in complete silence with his eyes closed and his hand over his heart his pianist sitting silently at the keys in the dark. And inside his heart, he prayed this simple prayer. Oh, Lord, blot out, Roland, so that all they see is you. And the crowd continued to jeer and yell and scream and call him names and throw things at him. But he continued to pray the prayer silently without even moving a muscle. Oh, Lord blot out Roland, so that all they see is Thee. The crowd continued to jeer for ten straight minutes. Ten excruciating minutes in which Roland stood his ground with eyes closed, with a hand over his heart, praying this simple prayer, O Lord, Blot out Roland so that all they see is thee. And after a while, the crowd became exhausted by their own hatred, exhausted by the ineffectiveness of their rejection. And they slowly but surely silenced themselves until the auditorium was completely silent and Roland stood in the light with hand over his heart, still praying this prayer, O Lord, blot out Roland, until all they see is Thee. Mm -hmm. And then in the silence, without opening his eyes, he very subtly nodded to his piano player. Then he began to sing so softly, yet so intensely. You are repose and gentle peace. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me
1: and gently close the gate behind
2: you, drive all other grief. joy. The temple of my
1: eyes is lit
0: by thy radiance alone. alone. was silence in the sanctuary. He slowly opened his eyes. And suddenly, one person began to softly applaud, and then another, and then another, and then another. And the place erupted in applause, and the lights came. You want a picture of what it looks like to be crucified with Christ?
2: Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The third revelation of Roland Hayes was when he stood in the face of rejection and persecution. And prayed, Oh Lord, blot out Roland yeah. so that all they see
2: yes.
0: is you. Amen. And the life of Roland Hayes brought together these two powerful things. Number one, a vision of greatness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My life, I have a destiny. There's something great that God's put in me, and I believe it even though nobody else believes it, and I see it even though nobody else sees it, and I'm going to press toward it no matter what, and nothing is going to stop me from pressing toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. There's something great that God's put in me, and I'm not ashamed of it, and I'm not afraid to put everything on the line to pursue it. That's the first part. But the second part is a heart that says, but God, blot out Roland so that all they see is you. It's not about Roland. It's not about Roland. It's about Christ living in me. It's not about Roland. They can reject Roland. Let them see Jesus. They can hate Roland. Let them see Jesus. And see, we tend to have one of these things or the other. We tend to have one or the other. If we have a sense of greatness, I have a destiny. We don't have the blot out rolling part. And if we have the blot out rolling part, we don't have the sense of destiny. We think the prayer blot out rolling means I shouldn't have any dreams. Mm. Uh, And we think the dreams of greatness means I shouldn't have any surrender. Mm. Mm. In order to experience what it meant to truly be crucified with Christ. It's not Roland standing here, it's Christ. So I'm not going to be moved by what they say about Roland. It's not Roland standing here, it's Christ who lives in me and the life that I live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. They can reject me. He loved me and gave himself for me. It don't matter what they say about me. He loved me and gave himself for me. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice means you don't have to respond to every insult that comes at you. It means you don't have to react to every criticism that comes at you. What if every time you were criticized, you said, Lord, blot out Roland, blot out Benjamin, so all they see is you. Oh, y'all don't want me to preach this morning. You see, we're in possession of ourselves when we have to defend ourselves. We have to respond. Ain't nobody going to talk to me like that. I'm not going to take that. Ain't nobody going to say that to me. Ain't nobody going to do that to me. Ain't nobody going, ain't nobody going, ain't nobody going. You're still alive. Wow, wow, Thank Thank you, Yeah, yeah. But to close your eyes... And to stand in the spotlight, in the place where the spotlight became a target, and to pray, Lord, I'm not going to hide myself. I'm going to hide myself in you. You are my hiding place and I'm standing right in the light where they could throw anything they want at me, and they can say anything they want about me, and they can talk about me behind my back, and they can call me names, and they can tell me whatever they want. It doesn't matter. I'm hidden in you. I'm hidden in you. You are my hiding place. You surround me as favor as with a shield. It don't matter what they say. Lord, blot out rolling, so that all they see is you. Let that be your prayer every day. That's so hard. I'm not going to lie. It's hard for me. Lord, blot out Benjamin. Sometimes as a husband, you feel criticized by your wife. Let's just keep it real. It's the hardest thing not to respond. Lord, blot out Benjamin. Because most of the time, you misunderstood her anyway. I'm talking to myself. I came in the... I came in the other day. As soon as I walked in the kitchen, she looked at me, and I said, what was that for? What would you give me that look for? And she goes, a smile? <laughs> I just smiled. <laughs> I was like, oh, my bad. I thought It looked like a look. <clears throat> and then I had, to go. I had to go in my office and pray and say, okay, Lord, what's wrong with me? How come a smile looks like a dirty look to me? And I realized I was expecting her to criticize me when I walked in because I knew I was late. And I didn't have a good reason for it. (laughs) Because she sent me to the supermarket, and I got there and sat in my car for 15 minutes and fell asleep. (laughs) So I came in expecting the hammer to fall, and she smiled at me, but I was so convinced that I was rejected that I created a dirty look on her face in my mind but what if I could have just said, Lord, blot out Benjamin. It's not me who lives, Uh but it's Christ who lives in me. The sound. I heard a sound from another world and it oriented my life towards something greater than I've ever seen. It convinced me that there's a destiny ahead of me. Something greater than my present experience. And then I looked at the suffering that I've endured and saw it as a sign. My suffering is a sign that he ain't done with me yet. Why? Because if not, my suffering would have took me out. The devil should have killed me in 2018, but he couldn't. You know why? Because God wasn't done. My suffering is a sign. You need to look at your neighbor and say that. Your suffering is a sign. You need to say that every morning when you look in the mirror. My suffering is a sign. Auntie Carmen, the devil couldn't take your voice. The devil couldn't take your voice. It was a sign. Come on, somebody. Rick, your cancer is a sign. The fact that you're still here, the fact that you're still here, that the devil couldn't take you, it's a sign that he's got something greater for you, that he's not over. Your suffering is a sign. But you've got to be willing to sing the song. Because too many of us, we hear the sound, we endure the suffering, but we refuse to sing the song because they rejected me. Because they said no. You know what Roland Hayes was when he stood in that spotlight? He's what the Bible calls a witness. (laughs) A witness. A witness. A witness is someone who stands and represents someone else. Yeah. Who speaks not for themselves but for someone else. That's that's what a witness is. That's what Jesus that's the one promise Jesus gave his disciples. You, you're gonna be my witnesses. But in order to be a witness, you gotta be willing to stand in the spotlight and sing the song. You can't be a witness if you're driven away by rejection, if you're driven away by criticism. You can't be a witness if you refuse to stand in the spotlight and sing the song. If every time somebody says something funny to you at work, you got to quit that job and go find a new one, you just lost your witness. Every time you were insulted, you had to respond, you just lost your witness. Every time you reject it, you shut down and run away. Maybe you don't say anything. You just shut down and run away and disappear. You just lost your witness. Your witness happens in that very place where you stand in the spotlight and you hear the sound and you have the opportunity to be crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ. The revelations of Roland Hayes, you know what they're designed to do for us, that story? Is to cause us to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to be a witness for Amen. him. Amen. I'm going to be a witness. Yeah. That's the decision. I, w- I came to provoke you to make that decision today. Woo! I'm going to be a witness for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stand in that light. I'm going to stop running away from the place where I'm rejected. Yeah. I'm going to close my eyes. And look to a higher place. Lord, blot out Benjamin so that all they see is you. That's what a witness is. Blot out Benjamin so that all they see is you. Come on.
1: I'm gonna be a witness for him.
0: Come on, just sing that to the Lord right now. Make that decision. Hold on.
1: Witness Witness. I'm gonna be a witness for him.
0: Come on, worship team. Come on, worship team. Everybody stand up and lift your hands and sing it. Come on. I'm gonna be a witness for him. Give me a little bit of light in the house. Let the people see.
1: Witness. Witness.
0: Come on, we're just getting started. Sing to the Lord. I'm
1: going to be a witness. I'm going to be a witness for Him. I'm not going to run and I'm not going to hide. Witness. Witness. sing it one more time come on man i'm gonna be a witness i'm gonna be a witness for him i'm gonna be a witness for him
0: Sin. let's just bring this home this morning. This is what this message is all about. First, got to believe that God has called you to stand in a great place. That there is more to your life than you think. That there is a higher place than you thought you would go. That God has bigger things in store for you. That you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God himself ordained for you to walk in since before the world began. You can't be a witness if you belittled yourself, you'll never take the stand. You'll never take the stand because you don't even show up at the court, because you don't think you're big enough, you don't think you're great enough, you don't think you're worth it. You don't understand how worthy you are. You first got to believe that he has called you to great things, to stand in a great place. Secondly, you got to interpret your suffering rightly you got to look at the stuff that you've endured and see it not as a sign of God's abandonment, but as the sign that God has destined you for greater things. you got to think like the psalmist when he said, I know that God is pleased with me because my enemies don't triumph over me. Most of us would say, I I know God's not pleased with me because my enemies keep coming against me. And if he was pleased with me, I wouldn't go through this stuff. No, 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 no. Are you still here? Do you still have breath in your nostrils? Whatever tried to take you out couldn't take you out. That's a sign, my friend. That's a sign that God favors you. That's a sign that God's pleased with you. That's a sign that God's got a plan for you. But some of you are rolling haze, but you're waiting for somebody else to rent the hall for you. You're waiting for the record companies to record you. You know what happened when Roland came home from Europe? The record companies lined up and said, we'll record you. He said, well, let me see the contract. I don't like that contract. Get out of here. The next one came. Let me see the contract. No, I don't like this one either. And let me see the, okay, okay, I'll take this contract. All right, I'll sign this one. And then they did the recording. He's like, it's not good enough. And he broke the master. He was the tail. He became the head. One more thing he did, one more thing he did. He went back to that plantation where his mother was born a slave and he bought it. So that the man who used to be his mother's owner became his tenant and paid him rent. The head and not the tail. The lender and not the borrower. Come on somebody. But the strength of Roland Hayes is that he didn't simply sit around waiting for somebody to roll out the red carpet for him. Because let me tell you something, nobody's gonna roll out the red carpet for your destiny. Sometimes you gotta save your money and rent the music hall. You've gotta grab the phone book and call folks. You say, nobody came to my concert. Get on the phone and call them up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You gotta believe in the call of God on your life enough to press your way toward the mark of the high calling. You gotta make a decision that nothing's gonna stop me from standing in my place. But when I get there, when I get there, I'm not there for my own greatness. You know what I'm there for?
1: I'm going to be a a witness witness for him, witness.
0: When I was a little boy, when I would go over to to, to Glad Memorial, Memorial, Church of God in Christ my Auntie Carmen and her husband, the late Reverend George Marshall were pastoring and Auntie Carmen would be on the organ singing this song this song resonated so deeply in me from the time I was a little child every time I would hear it, I'd say yes Lord, that's me I'm going to be a witness I'm going to be a witness, that's me I embraced it even as a child that's going to be my life this isn't just a song. It's a decision. It's a decision. I want to provoke you to make that decision today. I'm going to be a witness for him. Come on, just sing it one more time. Witness.
1: Witness. Come on. I'm going to be a witness for him. Sing it again. I'm going to be a gonna be a witness for him cause I've been crucified with Christ today witness. witness I'm gonna be a
0: witness for him amen come on give God a shout of praise come on hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his light to shine upon you. Cause the light of his countenance to rise on you and give you peace. Be blessed in all you do. This altar still open. This worship team's going to sing some more. Auntie Carmen going to keep singing. But if you got to go, you got to go. We love you. We're so thankful you're here today. May the joy of the Lord be your strength next Sunday. We're starting
1: unstuck. It's going to be a powerful time. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, come on.